Good morning, Sunships, and welcome to A Course in Miracles daily reading conference call, where we read from the original edition of ACIM, which is published by Course in Miracles Society. Today we are in the manual for teachers. We're reading section 5, chapters 1 through 10. Excuse me, paragraphs 1 through 10. Hello? Okay, so let me repeat that. We are reading Manual from Teachers, How is Healing Accomplished? I assume this is Section 5. And then we'll be reading Paragraphs 1 through 10. Let's see. You can access an original edition on your device by going to jcim.net, and you will see a menu that's a menu bar that says Online Edition. And we gather Monday through Friday from 9.15 to 10.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we read each paragraph twice until we are finished with our daily assignment. And at that time, we open up the call for sharing. And when we share, we say our name. When we're finished, we let everyone know by saying, I am complete. We also invite our workbook lesson into our study today. It's Lesson 342, How Much Forgiveness Rest Upon All Things, For Thus Forgiveness Will Be Giving Me. And finally, we ask that you mute your phone at all times unless you are speaking by using your own mute function. So has anyone joined the call that would like to announce that they're here or get on the reading list? All right, Reverend Rija, I'm turning the call over to you for more Okay, but... uh... There's some background. Let me see if I can find yeah, it. Yeah, so I, I'm not on the console, but if somebody would... Hang on one please. second. I'll be there in a second. <laughs> okay. Every, I'm like all looking for Fran's picture. I, cut <laughs> I, I think I've think identified that particular line. You have? It should be good, it? yeah. Okay, great. All right, Reverend Rita. Okay, thank you so much, Lee and Chris and everyone. Okay, so we'll, uh, we'll begin as we like to do by closing our eyes and and going within. There is a message we often receive when we become still. And sometimes people feel as though the message is coming from the Christ mind and what it tells us and what Jesus told us when he was here. Go within. It's all within you. It's not outside you. And so today we we take these blessed moments to draw within, become still. When we do, we can open to the message of love, of truth. And we get a message, a beautiful message, every day in our lessons. And today, this is our message. I let forgiveness rest upon all things, for thus forgiveness will be given me. And our lesson says, I thank you, Father, for your plan to save me from the hell I made. It is not real. And you have given me the means to prove its unreality to me. The key is in my hand. And I have reached the door beyond which lies the end of dreams. I stand before the gate of heaven, wondering if I should enter in and be at home 
Let me not wait again today. Let me forgive all things and let creation be as you would have it be and as it is. Let me remember that I am your son and opening the door at last, forget illusions in the blazing light of truth as memory of you returns to me. Unquote. And now today, this lesson gives all of us blessed words to send to our beloved brothers who walk the journey with us. Quote, Brother, forgive me now. I come to you to take you home with me. And as we go, the world goes with us on the way to God. Unquote. And so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you, Reverend Regan. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Amen. All right. Thank you. So has anyone joined the call that would love to get on the reading list or say good morning? This is Wendy. (laughs) Good morning, Wendy. Go ahead. Hey, Bryce. Uh, I'll be on for another 10 minutes. (laughs) So no reading today. Thanks. Oh, no reading. Okay. Glad you're here. Okay, Bryce. And this is Sharon, and I can read. I just need to know what we're reading today. We are in the Manual for Teachers. We are reading How is Healing Accomplished, which is five. Thank you. And we're going to go to one through ten. Let me ask whether, whether Sharon would mind dialing back in, as we're getting a little warble from that line. In this particular connection, Sharon. Sure, I'll do that. Okay. Oh, and the Skype caller that I uh, muted, uh, I'm going to try unmuting. If we hear that sound again, I'll remute. And if you wouldn't mind um, dialing back in on Skype. Okay. Thanks, guys. Okay. Chris, I was just going to add sure added. Okay. Um, so the Skype caller I just muted will have to hang up and dial back in. I'm trying again. Okay. I'm going to try again. If Wendy uh, would like to read first, I'd be happy to go all the way to the bottom of the list. So. Wow. Wendy, have you seen <laughs> No, I'm, uh, I have no text with me and in my car. So. All right, okay. peace. Next peace time, thanks. True gentlemen. Okie dokie. Anyone else? Hi, this is Ida. Hi, Ida. You want to get on the reading list? Yes, thank you. You got it. Okay, here's who we have. We have Orsini and Wendy listening. And then in order, we're going to go Bryce, Lee, Reverend Rija, Fran, Carl, Sharon, and Ida. Here we go. Rob's listening. Hi, Rob. And Rob's here, everybody. Good morning. It's Renee. I called back in. I can read. Hey, oh, great. Hey, Renee. Okay, so you're after Ida. Okay, my fellow healers. How is healing accomplished? Healing involves an understanding of what illusions of sickness is for. Healing is impossible without this. 
Hmm. Bryce, one and two, please. How is healing accomplished? Healing involves an understanding of what the illusion of sickness is for. Healing is impossible without this. The perceived purpose of sickness. Healing is accomplished the instant the sufferer no longer sees any value in pain. Who would choose suffering unless he thought it brought him something and something of value to him? He must think it is a small price to pay for something of greater worth. For sickness is an election, a decision. It is the choice of weakness in the mistaken conviction that it is strength. When this occurs, real strength is seen as threat and health as danger. Sickness is a method conceived in madness for placing God's Son on his Father's throne. God is seen as outside, fierce and powerful, eager to keep all power for himself. Only by his death can he be conquered by his Son. Thank you, Bryce. Lee, two and three, please. Healing is accomplished the instant the sufferer no longer sees any value in pain. Who would choose suffering unless he thought it brought him something and something of value to him? He must think it is a small price to pay for something of greater worth. For sickness is an election a decision. It is the choice of weakness in the mistaken conviction that it is strength. When this occurs, real strength is seen as threat and health as danger. Sickness is a method conceived in madness for placing God's Son on His Father's throne. God is seen as outside, fierce and powerful, eager to keep all power for himself. Only by his death can he be conquered by his son. 3. And what in this insane conviction does healing stand for? It symbolizes the defeat of God's son and the triumph of his father over him. It represents the ultimate defiance in a direct form which the Son of God is forced to recognize. It stands for all that he would hide from himself to protect his life. If he is healed, he is responsible for his thoughts. And if he is responsible for his thoughts, he will be killed to prove how weak and pitiful he is. But if he chooses death himself, his weakness is his strength. Now has he given himself what God would give to him and thus entirely usurped the throne of his creator. Thank you, Lee. Reverend Regis, three and four, please. Okay, three 
and what in this insane conviction does healing stand for it symbolizes the defeat of God's son and the triumph of his father over him it represents the ultimate defiance in a direct form which the son of God is forced to recognize it stands for all that he would hide from himself to protect his life if he is healed he is responsible for his thoughts and if he is responsible for his thoughts he will be killed to prove to him how weak and pitiful he is but if he chooses death himself his weakness is his strength now has he given him himself what God would give to him and thus entirely usurp the throne of his Creator the shift in perception Four. healing must occur an exact proportion in which the valuelessness of sickness is recognized one need but say quote there is no gain to me in all at all in this let's do it again one need but say quote there is no gain to me at all in this unquote and he is healed but to say this one must first recognize certain facts first it is obvious that decisions are of the mind not of the body if sickness is but a faulty problem-solving approach it is a decision and if it is a decision it is the mind and not the body that makes it the resistance to recognizing this is enormous because the existence of the world as we perceive it depends on the body being the decision-maker terms like instincts reflexes and the like represent attempts to endow the body with non-mental motivators actually such terms merely state or describe the problem they do not answer it thank you Reverend Regia Fran four and five please the shift in perception for healing must occur in exact proportion in which the valuelessness of sickness is recognized one need but say, quote, there is no gain to me at all in this, unquote, then he is healed. But to say this, one must first recognize certain facts. First, it is obvious that decisions are of the mind, not of the body. If sickness is but a faulty problem-solving approach, it is a decision. And if it is a decision, it is the mind and not the body that makes it. The resistance to recognizing this is enormous because the existence of the world as we perceive it depends on the body being the decision maker. Terms like, quote, instincts, reflexes, unquote, and the like represent attempts to endow the body with non-mental motivators. Actually, such terms merely state or describe the problem. They do not answer it. Five, the acceptance of the acceptance of sickness as a decision of the mind for a purpose for which it would use the body is the basis of healing. And this is so for healing in all forms. A patient decides that this is so, and he recovers. If he decides against recovery, he will not be healed. Who is the physician? only the mind of the patient himself the outcome 
is what he decides that it is. Special agents seem to be ministering to him, yet they but give form to his own choice. He chooses them to bring tangible form to his desires, and it is this they do and nothing else. They are not actually needed at all. The patient could merely rise up without their aid and say, quote, I have no use for this, unquote. There is no form of sickness that would not be cured at once. Mm, thank you, Fran. Carl, uh, five and six, please. The acceptance of sickness as a decision of the mind for a purpose for which it would use the body is the basis of healing. And this is so for healing in all forms. A patient decides, a patient decides that this is so, and he recovers. If he decides against recovery, he will not be healed. Who is the physician? Only the mind of the patient himself. The outcome is what he decides that it is. Special agents seem to be ministering to him, yet they but give form to his choice. He chooses them to bring tangible form to his desires. And it is this they do, and nothing else. They are not actually needed at all. Needed at all. The patient could merely rise up without their aid and say, I have no use for this. There is no form of sickness that would not be cured at once. 6. What is the single requisite for this shift in perception? It is simply this, the recognition that sickness is of the mind and has nothing to do with the body. What does this recognition cost? It costs the whole world we see, for the world will never again appear to rule the mind. For with this, for with this recognition is responsibility placed where it belongs, not with the world, but on him who looks on the world and sees it as it is not. He looks on what he chooses to see. No more, no less. The world does nothing to him. He only thought it did. Nor does he do anything to the world because he was mistaken about what it was. Herein is the release from guilt and sickness both, for they are one. Yet to this release, the insignificance of the body must be an acceptable idea. Thank you, Carl. Sharon, six and seven, please. What is the single requisite for this shift in perception? It is simply this the recognition that sickness is of the mind and has nothing to do with the body. What does this recognition cost? It costs the whole world we see, for the world will never again appear to rule the mind. For with this recognition is responsibility placed where it belongs, not with the world, but on him who looks on the world and sees it as it is not. He looks on what he chooses to see. No more and no less. The world does nothing to him. 
he only thought it did. Nor does he do anything to the world because he was mistaken about what it was. Herein is the release from guilt and sickness both, for they are one. Yet, to accept this release, the insignificance of the body must be on an must be an unacceptable idea. With this idea is pain forever gone. But with this idea goes all confusion about creation. Does not this follow of necessity? Place cause and effect in their true sequence in one respect and the learning will generalize and transform the world. The transfer value of one true idea has no end nor limit. The final outcome of this lesson is the remembrance of God. <sighs> what do guilt and sickness, pain, disaster, and all suffering mean now? Having no purpose, they are gone. And with them, also go all the effects they seem to cause. Cause and effect but replicate creation. Seen in their proper perspective, without distortion and without fear, they re-establish heaven. Thank you, Sharon. Ida, seven and eight, please. <clears throat> With this idea is pain forever gone. But with this idea goes also all confusion about creation. Does not this follow of necessity? Place cause and effect in their true sequence in one respect, and the learning will generalize and transform the world. The transfer value of one true idea has no end nor limit. The final outcome of this lesson is the remembrance of God. What do guilt and sickness, pain, disaster, and all suffering mean now? Having no purpose, they are gone. And with them also go all the effects they seem to cause. Cause and effect, but replicate creation. Seen in their proper perspective, without distortion, and without fear, they reestablish heaven. The function of the teacher of God. Eight. If the patient must change his mind in order to be healed, what does the teacher of God do? Can he change the patient's mind for him? Certainly not. For those already willing to change their mind, he has no function except to rejoice with them for they have become teachers of God with him. He has, however, a more specific function for those who do not understand what healing is. These patients do not realize they have chosen sickness. On the contrary, they believe that sickness has chosen them, nor are they open-minded on this point. The body tells them what to do, and they obey. They have no idea how insane this concept is. If they even suspected it, 
they would be healed. Yet they suspect nothing. To them, the separation is quite real. Thank you, Ida. Renee, 8 and 9, please. The function of the teacher of God. If the patient must change his mind in order to be healed, what does the teacher of God do? Can he change the patient's mind for him? Certainly not. For those already willing to change their mind, he has no function except to rejoice with them. For they have become teachers of God with him. He has, however, a more specific function for those who do not understand what healing is. These patients do not realize they have chosen sickness. On the contrary, they believe that sickness has chosen them. Nor are they open-minded on this point. The body tells them what to do, and they obey. They have no idea how insane this concept is. If they even suspected it, they would be healed. Yet they suspect nothing. To them, the separation is quite real. To them, God's teachers come to represent another choice which they had forgotten. The simple presence of a teacher of God is a reminder. His thought asks for the right to question what the patient has accepted as true. As messengers, his teachers are the symbols of salvation. They ask the patient for forgiveness for God's Son in his own name. They stand for the alternative. With God's word in their minds, they come in benediction, not to heal the sick, but to remind them of the remedy God has already given them. It is not their hands that heal. It is not their voice that speaks the word of God. They merely give what has been given them. Very gently, they call to their brothers to turn away from death. Behold, you son of God, what life can offer you. Would you choose sickness in place of this? Thank you, Renee. So do we have a new reader who's joined the call that would like to read 9 and 10? All right, Bryce, 9 and 10, please. To them, God's teachers come to represent another choice, which they had forgotten. The simple presence of a teacher of God is a reminder. His thoughts ask for the right question, what the patient has accepted is true. As God's messengers, his teachers are symbols of salvation. They ask the patient for forgiveness for God's Son in his own name. They stand for the alternative. With God's word in their minds, they come in benediction, not to heal the sick, but to remind them of the remedy God has already given them. It is not their hands that heal. It is not their voice 
that speaks the word of God. They merely give what has been given them. Very gently, they call to their brothers to turn away from death. Behold, you son of God, what life can offer you? Would you choose sickness in place of this? Not once do the advanced teachers of God consider the form of sickness in which their brother believes. To do this is to forget that all of them have the same purpose and therefore are not really different. They seek for God's voice in this brother who would so deceive himself as to believe God's son can suffer. And they remind him that he has not made himself and must remain as God created him. They recognize illusions can have no effect. The truth in their minds reaches out to the truth in the minds of their brothers so that illusions are not reinforced. They are thus brought to truth and truth is not brought to them. So are they dispelled, not by the will of another, but by the union of the one will with itself? And this is the function of God's teachers, to see no will as separate from their own, nor theirs as separate from God's. Thank you, Bryce. And Lee, 10, please. Not once do the advanced teachers of God consider the forms of sickness in which their brother believes. To do this is to forget that all of them have the same purpose and therefore are not really different. They seek for God's voice in this brother who would so deceive himself as to believe God's son can suffer. And they remind him that he has not made himself and must remain as God created him. They recognize illusions can have no effect. The truth in their minds reaches out to the truth in the minds of their brothers so that illusions are not reinforced. They are thus brought to truth and truth is not brought to them. So are they dispelled, not by the will of another, but by the union of the one will with itself. And this is the function of God's teachers, to see no will as separate from their own, nor theirs as separate from God's. Thank you, Lee. What do you say, Reverend Regia? How about a prayer to open up the floor? <clears throat> sure. We'll just take a, a few moments closing our eyes and opening to what we are learning because actually we're remembering this. It's not so difficult or different if we know that we already know this. It's not alien. What we have made 
is alien. How we have misperceived our world is truly alien to our nature as sons of God. And yet that's the world we know so well. But today we have the courage to step back from how we thought it was and to have a shift in perception. That's the miracle. And we are students of A Course in Miracles. We're shifting our perception away from hell and toward heaven. We have known sickness and pain. And we thought that it came from outside of us or somehow the body was the culprit. But now we're shifting. What a huge shift this is. And he tells us today the cost of it is reversing everything that we thought was so. But we're at that point where we have courage to look at it anew because we want the reality of heaven and not the misperception of hell. So we're willing to see that sickness is a decision. And it's a decision that I make, no one else. Remember, our thoughts are the only thing that can cause us pain, but they are also what can liberate us. I'm choosing today to shift my thoughts in light of what sickness is and what healing is when I join with the one will, the will of God, the will of my Creator, then I am, as He created me, whole and complete. This is my healing. So we come to this today. We are joining together in this. We're mighty companions. We hold each other's hands as we review this shift in perception, huge as it is. We support one another in listening and and giving away as we hear. And this we do today together in Holy Communion. And so it is. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Thanks, Reverend Rachel. Yeah, that was Reverend Rachel. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Reverend Rachel. Beautiful. You know, this is Reverend Rachel. I just want to quickly share that, uh, you know, in paragraph five, where it says at the bottom, it says, the patient would merely rise up without their aid and say, I have no use for this. Uh, And there's no form of sickness that would not be cured at once. And I believe we have an example of this in Anita Morjani, who was sick for four years with cancer, who basically died. I mean, all her organs failed. And on that brink, she was brought to the awareness that 
she has no use for this. She brought to the awareness that she, she saw, it was given to her to see, that she created that through her thoughts. She always felt uh, unworthy at less than, and she always had this huge fear of cancer and of dying. She had a lot of guilt, a lot of misperception, and she had the experience. It was given to her. <laughs> she joined with her will, with the will of the Father, and she saw with the eyes of Christ her life here in this incarnation and what she had chosen, all the choices she had made. And she saw the truth. And she realized in those moments that she was healed. And she was. And she is. And she came back. You know, there's a statement, uh, the healer is someone who has died and has come back to heal. And she truly has come back to heal all of us with her example. And he tells us today, what is the function of the teacher of God? To be an example, to be a messenger of God. That's what she is. That's what all of us are. When we align our will with the Father's will. (laughs) Thank you. I'm complete. Love it. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, Reverend Rita. Love that story. Thank you. Thanks, Reverend Rita. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, great. When I I don't know any of the details of that. She wrote a book, uh, Dying to Be Me, and it's uh, also on Audible. I don't know if you listen to books. I know it's hard for you to read, perhaps, with uh, with your eye situation, but she has an Audible. Audible. She has it in uh, audible form, and I have it in all forms <laughs> because it's so tremendous. Uh, you can get it in Kindle and raise the uh, font, so uh, and it's very economical. I would highly recommend it. It's the most magnificent book. I'm complete. Thank you. Me too. I loved that book. That book was great, and uh, even Alexander book. That was another one that was great too. Complete. Anybody know from reading the book whether there was any detoxification of the body involved? Uh, Rob, at what point? Any point. She, no, she didn't change her... She, see, in yeah. fact, she, she tried to detoxify beforehand. She tried everything to ward off cancer because she had a very dear friend die of cancer, a relative die of cancer. She saw what it does to the body, how it ravages it, and she was deathly afraid, so she tried everything health-wise to forestall it. And now people say, now that she's, uh, she gives uh, lots of talks, right now and people ask her well do you have a special you know diet or and she doesn't she she lives on forgiveness i'm complete okay i really Hi, like that reverend Rachel. this is ida when i used to say when my babies were nursing and they were so young you know before they were one years old and they were growing so fast, I, you know, I used to say they're actually growing on love, which is what your, your uh, 
statement that she's living on forgiveness reminded me of. <laughs> Thank <laughs> and, you. Uh, yeah, I, I have a few questions. Um, that, you know, the statement that if a son of God suspect, even suspects that the illness is just from his or her mind, you know, they would immediately be healed of everything. And I've suspected that. I mean, I studied the Course of Miracles for years before, and I'm studying it again in a deeper way. And, and, and I think other people might have the same question. I don't know. I, I don't think I'm the only one who does not feel that my body is completely healed, even though I suspected and probably more than suspected that this is the case. So what's the hat, folks? <laughs> I'm complete. This is Bryce. Uh, I um, I've, have felt extremely uh, guided to a principle that's offered in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments that talk about the law of sowing and reaping. And there's a specific aspect about that also related to seed planting. Uh, there's a particular verse that says... Unless the seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains itself alone. Uh, there's this principle of letting go of, and some aspect of waiting uh, in, the, in the scriptures. It says uh, that in the law of sowing and reaping, uh, you sow and then you reap, but you reap later. So there is a sense of, uh, at least in my mind, of some aspect of my resistance to waiting, honestly, I'll just say, in many cases, I've had a resistance. And the, the, the important part of this for me is recognizing that the law of the harvest requires that I not be the source of the outcome. So I just want to say that in this section, for me, there, there's a sense um, that my resistance to healing, and what I've read here, is that I, there's something still in me that would resist it because it would then completely release me from any um, any thought that I am bound. So there must be something in me that I'm still sowing that wants to be bound. If I can accept that, if I can accept that there must be something in me that if I'm not experiencing deliverance from, there must still be something in me that wants to be bound. If I use that as a form of guilt against myself, it will never work. I must completely abandon all ideas of effects as being anything other than something I don't control. 
Now, this may seem, I mean, this is going deep into this reading. But if I don't understand that my life is a gift from God in its entirety, and that everything that happens in my life is a gift, including, and I'm just going to say it, including my sickness, how could that be? Because I have needed something to give myself a sense of emptiness. I'm just going to say it. I, I'm looking at this little bubble, hernia bubble, on my, my belly from when I had gallbladder surgery. I look at it. I was told yesterday from an energy healer that there could be a process where I could have this healed. I don't believe it. I honestly don't believe it. I honestly think that I'm going to be sitting here with it. There's something still embedded in me that needs to be in this body. There's something still embedded in me that needs to have this, or it wouldn't be the case. This is what I believe. It wouldn't be the case if I don't think I still need it in some way. That's what I'm really trying to say here. Until I am completely resolved that I really have no need of this, I'll never be healed of it. I have to truly recognize that my body is not who I am before I can ever be healed. It is not a part of me in any way other than what I have decided. So at some point, I just have to say, I have to completely abandon all my beliefs in being a victim, all my sincere uh, interests and in thinking I have any control over any outcomes. This is just me, because this section is one of the hardest for me, but I have to just say what it's really saying to me is that I chose to be here through some uh, decision in the past, and I am playing out that decision right now. Until I give, all, give up all of my decisions of being independent to God and I ask his will for my life to be healed and really want to be healed because I think it's what God wants for me, I, I won't be. I have to truly, in, deep, in the deepest sense of the word, abandon what I think is in my best interest. This is a really hard section, Ina. I agree with you. But I have to let go completely of the idea of guilt having a purpose, of pain having a purpose, of any of this having a purpose. And when I go back into it and feel more guilty because I haven't accomplished, uh, the, I haven't, seen my wellness occur yet, I just drive the stake deeper, is what I'm saying. I have to I have to get truly humble and say, there must still be something in me. I have to ask that it be removed. I have to tenderly recognize that as much as I'd like to say I'm God and could just stand up in that bed and say, I have no need of this, there must still be something in me that needs God to be God in my life. I need to be dependent on God. I need to ask him to help me get up out of this bed and walk. I'm complete. This is Rob. I have, 
That was wonderful. That was wonderful. I have wandered in this field as a representative of John the Baptist and Jesus for 40 years. And Bryce is dead on target, live on target. He is absolutely correct. I'm complete. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Bryce. Thank you, Rob. I love you, Rob. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, both of you. This is Sharon. I need to just quickly say this because I've got to get on with my day and I have to need to, I want to read something. Um, so in paragraph four, uh, toward the bottom, it's, uh, um, he says, terms like, quote, instincts, reflexes, and the like represent attempts to endow the body with non-mental motivators. Uh, so, I had I just had to do a little research here because I have as so many people that are that um, went to college um, in it for for whatever reason I studied psychology and I did and I remember Pavlov um, and Skinner and as two of the people that really influenced society and and as it relates to the body. Um, seeing the body as defining who we are. And I just want to read something, if I can, real quickly um, about who they are because they really influenced me. I know they did. Um, And the way I, probably in the way that I relate to my students to some degree. Um, Pavlov. Uh, Pavlov's work with classical, classical conditioning was of huge influence to how humans perceive themselves their behavior and learning processes, and his studies of classical conditioning continue to be central to modern behavior therapy. Behaviorism is an approach within psychology based on the proposition that behavior, human as well as animal, can be researched scientifically and understood without recourse to inner mental states. So they're right there. Some major figures led to the development of this approach are Ivan Pavlov and John B. Watson. Their research produces theories of learning based entirely on reactions or responses by the organism, human or animal, directed directly to stimuli in the environment through process of conditioning. And then Skinner, the process, the position can be stated as follows. What is felt or introspectively observed is not some non-physical world of consciousness, mind, or mental life, but the observer's own body. It's, there it is, black and white. <laughs> that, is the way the, that is the way the ego is manifest in modern, in modern um, psychology. Thanks, right. I'm complete. Perfect. Completely wrong. Just on target. That is perfect. Thanks, Thank Sharon. You, Sharon. I um, spent a long time studying that and spent a ton of money. <laughs> um, it's Chris. This I just I think you will all appreciate this. I took a course online 
called um, How to Listen to Your Inner Guidance, and I haven't done anything with it. It's it's one of these simple, inexpensive kind of online thingies. And um, so this morning I opened up the email. Guess what it was on? I just want to show you this with you. It's so fun. And I'll, and I'll PDF it and put it up for anyone who wants it. It just says that you are responsible for your health and that you are creating your own illnesses. And I just think this is interesting. And, and Josie, I don't know if you have time to share, but I just was so moved by your experience of, of taking this lesson and, and, and just saying that, that your illness no longer served you and how able you were able to let it go. But this is really fun. Um, and sort of um, this course, just takes this to the next level and just says that every, every illness you have is a gift to heal. So I share this with you. Eyes, what is it that you don't want to see? Your ears, what is it that you don't want to hear? Your throat, what can't you say? Your chest, what do you need to get off your chest? Your lungs, who or what is suffocating you? Your stomach, what can't you stomach and what is making you sick? Your back, What great weight are you carrying? Your legs. Where is it that you don't want to go or that you're having problems moving forward in life? And your knees. Are you unbending and refusing to compromise? Sorry, every single one of these applies to me. Arms. What are you trying to hold on to? Neck. Who is being the pain in your own neck? And shoulders. What great responsibility are you shouldering alone? So I guess um, this gives us all an opportunity to heal together. I love you all. I'm complete. Perfect. Perfect. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Chris. That sounds like good. Louise Hay, and also the things they talk about in Unity, um, which has been valid for me at some point in my life and may still be valid for me now. You know, it's, I'm better. I mean, my physical health is better than it was a year ago. And I've been, you know, detoxified to, to some extent. And um, so, um, well, I will say that um, I found a, a prayer, I think it's called the Prayer of Atonement by Nook Sanchez online yesterday. And I went to that prayer not quite as mindfully as she suggested because I didn't, like, get rid of all sounds and other noises in the room and I didn't sit up and, and stuff, but I did the prayer and um, I'm telling you, I was feeling stuff. I mean, I was feeling like it was true. I mean, I was getting those rushes of energy that I may have mentioned before and um, the Holy Spirit, you know, I was feeling the Holy Spirit and and then even after the prayer was done, um, um, the rest of the evening before I went to bed, I was feeling more of those rushes of the Holy Spirit. And it's like, yeah, you know, I am being healed. And then I got to remember that this already uh, <laughs> already happened. 
in, you know, and I had a sense just this morning, it wasn't actual, I don't know if it was actual vision or anything, but it was just a sense that when we're in heaven, it's going to be really soon. It may not be soon getting, you know, getting up to that point in time, but I'm telling you, as soon as we get there, it'll seem like the quadrillions of years, which I've learned that word the other day, which is one step beyond trillion, right, that we have probably been here if you actually counted in physical years, um, will seem to us like an instant, if it even seems to take any time at all, you know. And so I don't want to, I just remembered when I said that thing about healing, I said, Ida, you had, you had these experiences and you, you ought to share them <laughs> because uh, it's encouraging, you know, it's encouraging to me. So uh, with, with that, I'm complete. Thanks, Thank Ida. This is Bryce. I just wanted to speak to the seed of uh, where all healing begins. It's in the last paragraph where it says, they remind him, speaking of, the, of God's teachers, uh, they, re- they remind him that he has not made himself and must remain as God created him. That single idea is the reversal of sickness. The, my belief is that effects where it says before, they recognize illusions have no, um, or the fall, it says they recognize illusions can have no effect. <clears throat> so, you know, I can't be looking at the effects of my sickness. It says earlier not to speak, the teachers don't look at the form. They go to the seed of remembrance. They join with the brother as who they really are. Um, and, And this is, to me, where I believe I have to go. It's where I need to remain. It's where the harvest can take place until... I really understand that I have not made myself. My, the effects of my thinking are not anything other than illusions compared to the truth of who I am. I have to get solid in who I am as the seed of all effects. It's not until I'm at one with the truth that I didn't create myself. I'm safe in God. It's not until that becomes my reality that any effects will respond. I'm complete. Thank you, Bryce. Thank you, Bryce. Thanks, Bryce. I'm really happy for you. I just really want you to know that. I'm really happy for you. Oh, I, I'm starting to make coffee. Could you say the beginning of that again, please? I said I'm really happy for you, Ida. Oh, who is this? This is Sharon. Oh, thanks, Sharon. That's great. You mean because I did that prayer and I had it when I had the yeah. more healing from energy rushes and stuff? Yeah, oh, you're encouraging experience. 
I'm really delighted yeah. for you. Oh, thank you, thank you. It always seems to happen. You know, it always seems to happen. You know, that thing about it's always darkest before the dawn, and you always find it when you're not looking for it, and all that kind of stuff, that kind of zen thing and, and everything. That, but when I, you know, when I really need it the most, God, the Father, Mother, God, um, the Holy Spirit, and my older brother Jesus, and all of you, uh, as our minds are joined, always give me, you know, like long before you ever met me, right? Um, always give, have given me exactly what I needed to have faith in life and this life and to keep going on and have a reason to want to wake up every morning. Um, I receive friendship, money, inspirations uh, that I've gotten to travel and meet really cool people and I want two wonderful babies and wants to grow up to be a wonderful young man. And, and I have a good, good friend, you know, pretty friendly relationship with my ex and, and his wife and, and everything. It's so I so lot to be grateful for. So, thank you, Uncle Pete. God love you, Ida. Yes, thank you, Ida. Thanks for your share, Ida. Thank you, I'm very This is Lee. It is a, a very challenging section and um, <clears throat> can bring up as many questions as, um, as it seems to deliver answers. One of the things I do with this section is try to penetrate to the heart of how it applies to everything I've seen in the course. And what I'm brought to from that standpoint is the recognition that even more so than referencing physical ailment or pain in the sense that I think of physically, the entirety of the course is telling me that the main sickness I suffer from is a sickness of mind brought about by my mind's reliance on the ego's thought system, both in the way and the primacy that I assume to be so about the body, but also in the way I think of the world. It's helpful for me to remember that this other thought system he's introducing me to is a complete reversal and transformation of both my relationship to my body and my relationship to the world. It's in accessing this other thought system that I'm brought to the real source of my health, which is inner peace. Health is inner peace. If I remember health is inner peace and that inner peace comes from relying on this other thought system to direct me as to how to relate both to the world and to my body, then what happens for me is if I think of all the ailments in the world, diseases, all the bases for physical suffering in terms of illness or disease. 
if I can acknowledge that some great proportion of that illness is the consequence of people mistaking illness as a demonstration of the primacy of the body, and if I can allow that were people to come to this other thought system and recognize the primacy of mind, that a great deal of that illness and disease would be healed. That's one way and one only that I approach this section. That's a wonderful thing for me to recognize, both in the world at large and in my life, some proportion of what I may ever suffer by way of illness or disease would be relieved and healed if my mind were to be directed sufficiently to this other thought system and I were to understand the nature of inner peace, the nature of my mental health, and see that all of the aspects of how I had mistakenly used my illness to express um, the ego's mistaken relationship both to the body and the world could be wiped away. What I'm getting to is that for me personally I see this course as a very practical course. I wish and pray today that every element of illness that I ever suffer not find um, assistance by the thoughts of mind that arise from the ego's thought system to perpetuate or use that illness to express the ego's dis-ease. I pray that I be lifted. Pardon me a moment. I pray that I be lifted to what he describes of this shift in perception and alignment with this other thought system that brings me to something approaching Anita Morjani's pivotal moment in that extreme experience that she had as her near-death experience to recognize the primacy of mind, the perfect primacy of mind. If I were to come to anything approaching that awareness of the mind's actual station and its actual nature, then I can be assured that everything not meant to be would fall away in terms of my illness. Most importantly, I would come to a place of peace where I could make my peace with whatever remains, where in spite of my diagnosis or my prognosis, the peace that I feel would be um, the um, overriding consideration in terms of my health that my health and happiness do not depend on radiant bodily health, 
but that radiant bodily health often expresses that degree of peace and happiness. At no time would I enter into the guilt that often accompanies this section, where if I'm suffering with something, I wonder what I could possibly be doing to bring it on. Everything in this section, as with the rest of the Course, is directing me to welcome a total shift in perception it's perception that it wants to bring me to. A shift in perception. A shift in my understanding. A huge, colossal shift in understanding that reframes my relationship both to the body and to the world. In light of that, certain things stood out for me in this reading, in the shift of perception. In the middle of section of paragraph four, he says sickness is a faulty, if sickness is a faulty problem solving approach, it's a decision. And if it's a decision, it's the mind and not the body that makes it. The resistance to recognizing this is enormous because the existence of the world as we perceive it depends on the body being the decision maker. That's his first reference to this orientation to the world as I presently relate to it, as I presently perceive it. This is the ego's world he's speaking of, the ego's outlook. It's very important for me to realize the ego's outlook toward the world seems to give the body the ability to tell me what's happening to me. And there's a great deal that can happen when I reverse that position relative to the world. That's why he repeats it so many times in this section. In paragraph 6, after describing a recognition that sickness is of the mind and has nothing to do with the body, he asks, what does this recognition cost? That recognition costs the whole world we see for the world will never again appear to rule the mind. Cost the world we see. That's his short version for repeating the world as I presently perceive it. The ego's relationship to both the body and the world are reversed. If I were to understand that sickness is of the mind, that would be a lead-in for introducing and welcoming an entirely different relationship to the world. And that's the central um, thrust of the entire course, that salvation to me represents freedom from what the ego has told me is so, of myself, my body, each of you, the world. The freedom from that thought system is the introduction to an entirely different understanding of what I am, what you are, my God, and the world is. All of that is reversed in the same movement. The problem I've had, he says, in that next sentence, is that I've looked on the world and seen it as it is not. I'm being asked to really open 
to the correction that allows me to reverse the way I think I'm at effect of the body and at effect of the world. I can find my, my peace and my freedom by welcoming this shift in perception that aligns with this other thought system. In the next couple of lines, he says, I don't do anything to the world because I was mistaken about what the world is. That's another aspect of all that unfolds as I allow this other thought system to introduce me to the authentic relationship to the world and not this misguided, reversed and inverted relationship to the world that reflects the ego's thought system. And finally in seven, he says, place cause and effect in their true sequence with the mind's primacy greater than the body's and the learning will generalize and transform the world. Transform the world. That's how great the consequence is of what he's guiding me to here. And finally, at the end of seven, he says, cause and effect, but replicate creation seen in their proper perspective without distortion and without fear from this place within me that can see everything from a place of true inner peace where I've made my peace with life and accepted what I need to and had that mental healing undo all of the ego's misuse of the body to express its disease. They reestablish heaven. I sit with those three words. They reestablish heaven. That's how far this idea of healing can take me in releasing me from the world as I presently perceive it and introducing me to a proper perspective toward both my body and the world. Introducing into my mind what Anita Johnny was blessed enough to have come to in a moment of crisis, the reestablishment of heaven in her mind and the understanding of the nature of illness. It's a profound section. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Lee. Thank you Thank so you, much. Lee. Bless you, bless you, bless you. <laughs> you word it so beautifully, Lee. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Thank you, lady. All right, Reverend Regia, what do you say? Yes, okay. We'll just uh, close our time together by joining with one another, closing our eyes. Perhaps I should say opening to the joining that is there. Minds are joined. And so we draw within and feel that communion of souls are uniting with one another and with our source. Today we reviewed 
healing is accomplished. Huge idea in this world of separation, specialness, sickness. Since uh, he tells us today, quote, sickness is an election, a decision, unquote, then I can elect to heal. And yet I'm learning that that would deny sickness its purpose. I seemingly need sickness to prove that I'm not responsible. For if I were to change my thoughts, I would realize I have no need of suffering, and this would make me responsible for my thoughts. And since I have wretched thoughts, I would need to be punished. Better that I should pretend to be at the mercy of forces outside of myself to prove God wrong and, and release the burden of guilt upon me. But now I am opening to a shift in perception. I am, yes, indeed, learning today, sickness is a decision, how powerful this statement is and how unwanted by the ego. Because of how I've made my world, I need to feel as though the body is separate from me and has its own agenda. I need this to maintain this world that I've built. I need to believe that sickness comes from outside of me and happens to me and is something I must defend myself against. Yet today, I'm learning that shifting my perception in this is crucial to my healing. Quote, the acceptance of sickness as a decision of the mind for a purpose for which it would use the body is the basis of healing and this is so for healing in all forms who is the physician only the mind of the patient himself unquote. how courageous to make this shift in perception in a world built upon separation and specialness and yet this is the miracle and with this shift comes a new vision away from illusion and toward truth itself now the world doesn't rule my mind. I look and take responsibility for what I see. The world does nothing to me. I only thought it did. It was my choice. Then I learned today, quote, special agents seem to be ministering to him, the person who is sick, yet they but give form to his own choice. He chooses them to bring tangible form to his desires. And it is this they do and nothing else. They are not actually needed at all. The patient could merely rise up without their aid and say, quote, I have no use for this, unquote. There is no form of sickness that would not be cured at once. Unquote. And so now we pray and ask, Father, Mother, God, what is my function as a teacher of God in healing? Please tell me so I may fulfill this function. And, and you tell me, rejoice with those who already have made this shift in perception. And for those who have not, I have, quote, a more specific function, 
unquote. I hear you tell me, I am to be God's messengers, a symbol of salvation as I stand for the alternative. In my example, I share the good news. There is another way of seeing this. You and I are still as God created us. And now these, the thoughts you give to me today, quote, with God's word in their minds, God's teachers, come in benediction, not to heal the sick, but to remind them of the remedy God has already given them. Behold, you son of God, what life can offer you. Would you choose sickness in place of this? You tell me, quote, the truth in their minds reaches out to the truth in the minds of their brothers so that illusions are not reinforced. They are thus brought to truth. So are they dispelled, not by the will of another, but by the union of the one will with itself. And you tell me, and this is the function of God's teachers to see no will as separate from their own, nor theirs as separate from God's. The transfer of value of one true idea has no end nor limit. The final outcome of this lesson is the remembrance of God. And so it is. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Regia. Thank, Thank you, Reverend Regia, so much. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Regia. Beautiful. Beautiful.